Hello and welcome. Welcome to a wee bit Brezzy podcast. I'm Candice. And I'm Lynn. And here you're going to hear us talk about some probably inappropriate things. Yeah, we're just two cousins hanging out, yeah. talking about conversations yeah. inappropriate. There'll be lots of laughs. And some teasing. And it might get a wee bit spicy every now and then. I hope you join us. All right, everybody, welcome. Welcome to our sixth episode of our very cool, very groovy, wee bit redsy podcast. <laughs> At this point in time, you know, things are, are really shaping up here for for us because we went live now. Yeah. And we're, we're producing our episodes and they're now available and people are actually, you are all listening to them. So thank you for keep coming back and for uh, your support. Today's episode is all about, I feel like I can write a book on this one, Candace. Oh, absolutely. Oh, today's episode is on imposter syndrome. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into that. Before we get into that. Uh, are we, or sorry, our what's up, Kezi question <laughs> <laughs> for this episode. Um, I am going to ask if you could travel back in time or to the future. Especially in terms of our indigenous culture, yeah. our relations or family, would you? Oh, or, and where where would you go? Would you go? Which direction would I go? Back in back in time, or to the future? Oh my god, that is like that is so hard. <laughs> at, at first, when you first asked me that question, I'm like, okay, I want to go to the future because I want to see where we're going to be at mm. in terms of really important shit like reconciliation yeah. and indigenization and language revitalization, all those cool things. Mm -hmm. But a part of me is just really, it's okay, this is a how I will answer it. <laughs> and I'll lock in my question, my answer. <laughs> uh, I want to go to the past. Yeah. I want to see like, what are communities, like what they look like before mm -hmm. they were touched by this little thing called colonization. Absolutely. I, mean, I want to see us in cedar hats and cedar yeah. capes and living off of the land and those kinds of things mm -hmm. i think i would be in awe just for a little bit though and then come back and oh, watch yeah. my netflix and <laughs> that kind of stuff have our indoor plumbing <laughs> yeah exactly heating yeah. electricity all yeah, of that exactly yeah. how about you uh i agree that's i would go back and try and learn some of the things that have been lost yeah. um especially in the ways that we used to do things. Yeah. Um, I love learning. One of my favorite shows is actually How It's Made. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No way. Right? That's mine too. <laughs> I geek out over that show and I will watch like 10 episodes oh, now. Yeah. It's like so good. So if I could do that, but you know, in terms of our history and learning how, you know, a certain, I'm not good at weaving with cedar. And if I could learn that little piece of information, mm from an ancestor yeah that would just kind of lock everything into place um i think that would be fantastic for my brain no doubt well that would just blow my brain because if mm -hmm. you can imagine like we would go back in time we would literally be talking to our relatives yeah our ancestors yeah. when you said learn that from an ancestor i'm like you're literally mm -hmm. talking to mm -hmm. your great 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 yeah relative exactly. right so yeah. um Speaking of that, I, when I saw the petroglyphs in our territory for the mm -hmm, first time, mm -hmm. I just bawled my eyes out. It's powerful, it's right? That someone who shares DNA with me, yeah, did that. Yeah, that's crazy. That is. Yeah, I had the same feeling when I did archaeology in our oh, territory, and like yeah. when we found like 
arrowheads mm-hmm. or spearheads or yep. adze blades and those kinds of things. It's like that is thousands yeah. of years old yeah. Yeah. and a part of your family, right? Yeah, that exactly. just oh, it brings it, it fills up your cup like nothing mm-hmm. else can. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. Yeah, something I um, I don't think I appreciated when I was a kid was my uncle had found a bunch of artifacts along the beach. He would walk there all the time. Oh, really? Yeah, and he had found. I don't. I don't want to even put a number to it, but he found so many artifacts. Hmm. And part of my like little kid brain was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool." Yeah. <laughs> but now, as a an adult, I'm like, "Oh, I wish I would have spent time with him to to hear the stories of where um, he found it and um, what kind of piece it might have been from and things like that." Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Love that. Good question. Yeah. A really great opening yeah. question. Okay. So, Imposter yeah. syndrome. Oh my gosh. Where do we even begin with this? I don't know. Um, I feel like, okay, so let me ask you this. Okay. When do you remember first feeling like <laughs> you didn't belong or that you were an imposter somewhere? Because um, I feel like it happens so early. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't yeah. something in yeah. your adult years or your teen years. No, no. Did, did that happen for you in yeah. your child years? Yeah. 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 Um, I think it, my distinct memory is around eight Mm. um so this is it sounds dirtier than it is but those in (laughs) education know of the pullout method oh my god (laughs) that does sound dirty well now you have to describe (laughs) i know i know know. (laughs) it's not what you think it is we forewarned you this would get spicy oh my god the pullout method Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. So, um, <laughs> my God. Uh, so part of kind of reclaiming our culture was the Indigenous students were pulled out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could have been during math. It could have been during art. It could have been during PE. Yeah. Um, and had, like, special guests come in to teach us different things about our culture. And I remember specifically, um, grade three, so I was about eight, um, that was happening a lot because our school, uh, I guess, made an initiative that they wanted to do a school powwow. And it was, you know, our school had opened the year I started kindergarten, still a pretty brand new school at the time. And it was right at at the time where, you know, we're starting to recognize that indigenous voices are important. Mm-hmm. Um, so during grade three, we spent a lot of time being taken out of our class uh, to learn how to power dance, to learn how to make drums, to, I don't know, I can't even remember all the stuff that we did. Yeah, yeah. Probably like soapstone carving and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember feeling like, wait, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I was also kind of realizing at the time how non-indigenous I look as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two things combined made me feel like, wait, am I in the right place? Mm. Is this the right spot for me? Mm. Um, so yeah, about eight years old. Mm. Do you remember your first time? No, feeling? I've been like trying to think. I'm like, I remember, cause I had the very same uh, experience in school too. Like around that age, I remember too, the pull-out method <laughs> where we did, we did like, mini button blankets and dream yeah. catchers and I think bannock making even oh, yeah. with your Aboriginal support worker. Right. Yeah. And so I remember 
feeling that I, I think it's around the same thing that you're you're just now expressing to me is like I think it's around that 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 being singled out mm-hmm. in a classroom mm-hmm. and that's one of the first times you really remember being singled out well yes. actually no yeah. having worked both of us work in schools mm-hmm. kids are pulled out for other reasons too like yeah. for literacy and math development yeah. with with aid and, and other teachers mm-hmm. but I think for us in a cultural sense it was like you come back to your classroom after doing something really cool or you exactly. bring a dream catcher back or you bring a button blanket yeah. back and your yeah. peers and your friends in your classroom are like well where'd you go I didn't get to do that right, right? and so you feel this this sense of othering or this mm-hmm. sense of difference absolutely but I think for me imposter syndrome really started in probably probably high school more mm-hmm. than anything. I felt different in elementary, yeah. absolutely. But I think yeah. just feeling the imposter like I don't belong mm-hmm. came from, I think, my understanding of money. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I went to a very predominantly wealthy high school, yeah. coming from yeah. the reserve in a school with like thousands of students, but only like a handful are First Nations from the res, like me yeah. and my cousins. Yeah, exactly. And feeling like, wow, like this is a wealthy school. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't belong. Like we should be in a different school. We're in the wrong place, right? right? And yeah. I was like, it's yeah. a school that we're not wasn't designed for us. That's yeah. when I really yeah, first exactly. remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's funny you say that because as an adult, I've been into both of your elementary and, and high school. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I felt that feeling going in. Right? Yeah. It's like, it is. It's, yeah. it's wealthy. And just the culture in it, too, is just not a culture that you come from. So yeah, you feel exactly. like an yeah. imposter. Yeah. 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 It's definitely something that I think um, between you and I, we, we've had a very similar yeah. feeling of that for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still get imposter syndrome today, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think more so today than any other time because, yeah. you know, now I've been in this career of educating mostly non-Indigenous people about our culture. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember uh, meeting my psychologist for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he goes, so you're like this expert in the in your role and you're, he's raising me up on this giant platform. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I I don't feel like an expert, and I I don't know if it's because I don't feel like I have grown up in deep rooted culture like some mm. of the other reserves in our community have, mm-hmm. and especially other reserves within the area, um, because we didn't grow up in the longhouse in my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, any culture that we did learn was from my mom advocating and bringing it into my school mm. and being pulled out of my classroom to learn it. Mm. Um, so I, I definitely feel this big imposter syndrome of like, am I actually good enough for this? Mm. Am I, do I know the stuff that I know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like so much knowledge that I have brought to people um, in my career of education um, I feel like I'm just pulling it out of my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when I get uh, like a new or unique question. Yeah. And somehow like the answer is just there. Hmm. And I'm now giving them this answer that I actually haven't thought about mm-hmm. or haven't 
really been taught, but the answer for this weird, obscure question is just there. But you're comfortable in the answer, right? Like it's yeah. Do you feel like it's kind of like I don't know because I get the same. I know what exactly what you're putting down. I'm picking it <laughs> yeah. up. I like because I get to that. I'm like a little part of my brain is like, oh shit, what am I gonna say? <laughs> yes. But then you kind of just go into mm-hmm. it, right? And I like my spiritual soul just kind of like I'm just oh, channeling yeah. the creator, man. Yeah. I'm just channeling the creator, right? Yeah, and then and it, it feels good because exactly. I'm like. Okay, that was something I really yeah. didn't feel like I knew I knew how to respond to, mm-hmm. but ultimately I feel good about how I responded to it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Definitely a, a lifelong thing I think I will have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just being a millennial too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think the entire millennial generation feels like they are an imposter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, I think there's also something to be said that I don't have kids. Mm. that I still need an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this just happened recently. Um, I walked into my, my physiotherapist office and I had a question about my medical. <laughs> and thankfully, <laughs> uh, the, the front staff people there are just wonderful. And I'm pretty sure they're younger than me. And I'm like, I need, I need an adult. I need an adult here, adult. <laughs> Can you answer this question for me? Um, so I think that whole millennial generation thing might might have something to do with that. I totally agree. I think so. Unabiding imposter syndrome. Yeah. 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 I yeah. love that. <laughs> I need an adult. No, I need an adultier adult. Exactly. <laughs> to help figure this shit out. Yeah. I know. And um, like I was just buying liquor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to be doing this now? And meanwhile, half of my life, I've now spent buying alcohol. (laughs) And so it is okay for me. (laughs) But I still look like I'm stealing something. Yeah. yeah. Right? I I feel like that whenever I see security guards, right? Like in like Walmart or anywhere. It's like, oh, shit, I hope I'm not accidentally stealing something. Right? right? (laughs) Or like when you're in an airport, right? You're walking to the airport. You're like, I hope I'm not accidentally carrying like drugs or a gun or something and i think there's a meme off of that right on exactly. social media yeah. and it doesn't matter if uh that security guard is an 87 year old man who is the cutest thing on the world yeah he's still a security <laughs> guard and you're going oh shit yeah <laughs> right totally yeah but in terms of like now my career in in talking about indigenous stuff yeah definitely feel like i don't know anything mm. um yet somehow have managed to fumble through almost six episodes of a podcast talking about yeah no shit hey like i i'm like i'm so impressed that we've come this (laughs) we've come this far yeah yeah we got our first episode we have a whole season uh planned and everything Mm -hmm. i'm just yeah and we've totally gone off our plan of recorded episodes already anyway. So it doesn't even oh, matter. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't even plan anything anymore. We just, it's just a plan to make us feel good about it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like we kind of know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, How was it for you when you even were thinking about this idea of owning a consulting business? Well, for me, it happened so incremental, right? It was like, uh, I started a business really off the side of my desk and I, it really wasn't even intended to be a business, it was just a way of me making quote unquote side money, right? Mm-hmm. It was a side hustle. And so I was like, it's, it can never be a business. I mean, you can never have a business on <laughs> talking about racism or reconciliation or oppression or those kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? To me, 
I never planned for a business. And then until I kind of had an oh shit moment where I was like, oh shit, I have a business. <laughs> and then I have like, and there's a whole other realm of responsibilities that come along. Yeah. With it. It's like having another, it's like, because I have a child, it's yeah. like having another child, you have a baby yeah. that you have to give a lot of time and attention mm-hmm. and, and energy and uh, uh, nurture, nurturing, mm-hmm. everything, yeah. everything, right? Goes yeah. into it. And I get imposter syndrome now as an after the fact. So I was like, okay, no, it's really cool. It's really cool mm-hmm. to own a business. But then same thing, just like a, when I was in my master's degree, I'm like, I think I tripped everybody into everybody thinking I have a business. <laughs> yes, right? It's really just this shit I put together, yeah, but it's really exactly. nothing. Yeah. And then people speak again, right? Like yeah. how you're saying with your, your yeah. uh, uh, counselor, it's like, people are like, oh, it's, you're, you're an expert in this and you're, yeah. you're so well known for this. I'm like, no, honestly, in my mind, I'm just like, I can't believe I made it this exactly. This far. Exactly. I just tricked everybody. That's right? how I feel, right? And you know what? We actually had this conversation at least 10 years ago, if not maybe close to 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we were. I was talking to you about how insecure I was about applying for a job and that I don't have a certificate or a degree or a master's mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that. And you're like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't matter yeah. because you know this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely something that um, I've had on my mind for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like you cope with imposter syndrome, though? Like, have you learned, um, have you picked up any tricks or tips along the absolutely way? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> we just suffered through it. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I feel like this is probably kind of an un, unhealthy way of going about it, but especially with uh, the type of education I've been in for so long, um, in terms of work, not actually going to school. I still don't have a degree. I still don't have <laughs> anything. Um, but in, in terms of working in education, it's kind of reliant on the class and the presentation I've had. Mm. So if I've had, you know, um, four presentations go absolutely terrible. You know, the, there's little to no interaction. There's no questions. There's no feedback. And um, I, I feel like I've failed. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when I get that one class, and it's becoming more and more rare, or like um, that this one class is just on fire, Mm. And we're vibing their, their brains are and wheels are turning and they're asking really good questions. Um, they're being respectful. Respect is the hugest thing that plays into it too. Mm. You know, when, when people don't really seem to listen or interact or, or ask a question, um, it kind of feels disrespectful. It's mm-hmm. like they're not engaged. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, I feel like I rely on getting that feedback. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've come to a point in my career where that, um, that that's almost a diamond. You know, it's not something I'm going to come across enough to fulfill me to keep going mm. on to the next uh, lackluster presentation. Mm. Um, so I don't really have a good, <laughs> this is how Candace has copes with this. Um, I don't really have that, those skills or tricks or trade 
secrets to yeah. to getting past it or yeah. to to feeling like I, like I did a good job. Hmm. Um, it's just that one happenstance class or presentation where we're just all on the same page. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same energetic level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it does ebb and flow, right? And I think that's part of developing a trick probably is that it's going to come and go right it's it's i don't know i'm kind of now that i'm thinking about it and thinking about it aloud without a filter (laughs) is uh like it's it's kind of just like our ups and downs and just like our own self-confidence too yeah i mean given the background that we've kind of come up growing up on the res being indigenous Mm -hmm. systemic racism and oppression and all of that i think it's only natural that all indigenous peoples are 100 percent going to encounter degrees varying degrees of of um imposter syndrome and i know that mm-hmm. it's universal you don't have to be indigenous to be experiencing imposter oh, syndrome absolutely. right yeah. but i also think it's just going to ebb and flow i think it's going to go up and down right yeah. and it's going to be based on the context of how you're feeling in a mm-hmm. moment like exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying like you're vibing well with the class you're aligned yeah. with the class yeah, and then exactly. the experience of it's going to come and go really nicely yeah it's something where i think our generation is is really struggling with Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, well, I also feel like we don't talk about it enough, right? No. Like, no. I wish I had more time to talk to young Indigenous mm-hmm. peoples that imposter syndrome is a thing. Right. Like, even before they go into a new job or mm-hmm. before they graduate mm-hmm. and walk across the stage or before they celebrate their sweet 16 or before they uh, go yeah, walk into absolutely. a college or university. Yeah, it's like, yeah. there's this little thing you're going to encounter it, but just so you know, mm-hmm. you're not alone and it's normal yeah, yeah. to and feel I, that. I have heard, you know, snippets of, you know, so what your blood quantum is marginally low to be indigenous. You're still indigenous. And, I, and those are, com- those are affirmations that are, that people are putting forward more and more now. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, if you have some indigenous ancestry, you're indigenous. Yes, exactly. And your blood quantum isn't what defines you being indigenous. Or your qualities, yeah. right? Yeah. And let's be honest here, let's be spicy about this. <laughs> blood quantum is a colonial construct totally. <laughs> that yeah. was given to us by colonial brilliance is as a tool for lateral violence to mm-hmm. pit us against one another. Absolutely, right? absolutely, yeah. 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 And just because I'm white passing doesn't mean that I am not indigenous enough. I am. I'm very proud now to be indigenous. Mm-hmm. It's taken me a long time to overcome my physical aspects of, of what I look like mm-hmm. in in saying, yeah, I am indigenous enough and I'm proud to be indigenous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So when when it comes to, you know, like what you think about where your imposter syndrome comes from, and, and I think this is important for everybody to think about, is like where does this like it's very common. We all mm-hmm. we all to some degree experience imposter syndrome, but where do you think it comes from, right? Yeah. For me, I'm thinking that I'm I I, I had I grew up as the eldest of three boys and parents who were incredibly hardworking, um, but also being drilled into my head that I had to work three times as hard as non-Indigenous Indigenous peoples mm-hmm. to be successful. Yeah. I remember that being very entrenched into my, mm-hmm. my upbringing at a very early age. And mm-hmm. I think I had to 
I had to keep up with that. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of my work ethic comes today is like, it's just, you have to work stupid hard, mm-hmm. stupid crazy, mm-hmm. but always in that, never feeling like it's probably going to be enough. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I know I had a similar feeling with that. I don't know if I was ever directly told something along that lines that you have to work harder just because you're indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I'm still a very observant person. I was really observant as a kid. Um, so I think I just naturally picked up on the fact that because I don't look indigenous, I'm going to have to work incredibly hard to be um, accepted in indigenous spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I've kind of fallen into the career of teaching about indigenous topics um mm-hmm. whether it's culture whether it's stuff that we've been talking about in the podcast so far um i've innately put this giant pressure on myself to to really have to work very very hard and prove myself to not be um i, I basically can't make a mistake mm-hmm. um i can't show my true emotions or feelings about a question that someone answers mm-hmm. or asks um i can't really give my opinion on why some indigenous people struggle with drug and alcohol mm-hmm. because if I do then I'm making it worse for them and then I just look like I'm a white face that is approachable mm-hmm. to to be to feel like they are safe to ask a question like that yeah like yeah. power dynamics yeah. and all yeah. identity dynamics and all uh, that yeah, yeah absolutely oh my gosh um also, I think that, you know, um, oh my gosh, brain fart. I didn't even know where I was going with this. Now I'm just stalling. <laughs> right? Do we want to go into like some, uh, oh, um, some of the roots of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So not just our own families driving that into us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know something that, again, because I was that observant kid of, um, maybe whispered um, comments about Indigenous people mm-hmm. to even silent comments from Indigenous people or about Indigenous people about, um, you know, the drunk Indian and overcoming those stereotypes. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I think there's a strong relationship between stereotypes, indig- anti-Indigenous stereotypes mm-hmm. and uh, Indigenous-specific imposter syndrome, Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, I think that that's where, cause like when you've been, in, when you've experienced racism, when you've experienced stereotypes, when you've mm-hmm. experienced discrimination, that takes a toll on your identity yeah. and your identity takes a, a beating for it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's only the natural that you feel a little bit battered when you go into the next context, right? Whether it's a cultural space, yeah. a classroom or a course or a workplace that you're like, Oh, I feel vulnerable here. Right. Yeah. Cause ultimately yeah. that's what we feel is vulnerability when we're experiencing imposter syndrome. Exactly. And you know, that, that actually leads into our lateral violence episode. Yes. Right. I've experienced some pretty awful comments Mm -hmm. from other indigenous people, Mm -hmm. um, questioning and negating my indigenous indigenous identity. Yeah. Um, just based on the upbringing that I had. Yeah. So it, it wasn't enough that I live on a reserve. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, I didn't grow up in Longhouse. I didn't grow up with deep culture. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of the things that that person deemed as a, what it means to be Indigenous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
um, them weaponizing that yeah. to, to make me feel however they intended to make me feel. Yeah. Um, and however they intended it to, to make them feel better about themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. And that shit really drives me nuts at the end of the day, because I don't think again, which is the whole <laughs> sole purpose that we, we love yeah. the podcast is to have yeah. conversations we're not hearing anywhere else. But I really feel like that's a really strong one that's not happening in indigenous circles yeah. anywhere that I've attended yeah. is how our own people can weaponize culture against our own people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is exactly. the half the definition of lateral yeah. violence, right? Yeah, it's like really like we we've experienced so much upon, upon colonization that you're just going to beat us up to for yeah. not being as rich in cultural as you or access right? to culture as you yeah. like yeah. that shit just drives me nuts. And I come from, so I come from a very culturally privileged mm-hmm. uh, family and, and upbringing. And even in my family, I know it's talked about that because mm. I am very transparent in the identities that I carry and I do identify as a culturally privileged person. Mm-hmm. And people in my family will say things like, yeah. oh, you're cultural, but really, mm. not really. According yeah. to the culture that I do, I'm like, oh, okay, so it's a competition. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 It's just violence passed on to ourselves, racism exactly. passed on to ourselves. I'm like, yeah. it's okay. You're doing okay. I'm yeah. doing okay. You know? you know, I think as long as we are doing what we can within our power to... Exactly. We're doing the work. I honor people yes. for when they're doing the work. Yeah. I'm like, exactly. if you're doing the work, then you're doing the work. Because culturally privileged people, you know, who invest their upbringing and their time mm-hmm. into culture, you know, I will say the Western world won't recognize that. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. They're so invested yeah. in culture and it's like, then they try to survive in corporate institutional yeah. settings and they burn out because it, they're so invested in culture. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, that person's doing the work and you need to honor that person doing the work. Exactly. But the same thing, same thing needs to be applied to people who haven't had access to no yeah. fault of their yeah. own if they're doing the work you got to honor the work that's that people are doing right? exactly yeah. exactly and um something that just came to mind for me was uh not for me specifically but in in growing my my chosen family of of some of my indigenous chosen family are did grow up very very cultural mm. and uh, i can see f- firsthand witnessing them struggle to to be in quote unquote the the civilized white colonized world Mm. that is um a huge struggle for them so finding this balance between being indigenous enough being civilized enough is something that really leads into this imposter syndrome so like you can be as super cultural as you want Mm -hmm. but the the fact and the reality is we do live in a colonized society we can't function without um shelter Mm -hmm. or a grocery store or Mm -hmm. or things like that um so irregardless if you grew up with the most amount of culture possible Mm -hmm. um might not mean that you are indigenous enough to someone else who might be able to function better in a, in a colonized space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so totally it's agree. vice versa, right? Exactly. Like, totally. You know, yeah. honoring someone and where they're at and being okay with who you are. I think it's also a self-confidence thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. When, when some people throw out these criticisms of, of other people, if you're not yeah. indigenous enough. Yeah. Um, it's like somehow my confidence in being indigenous is a threat to them. Mm-hmm. So even though I didn't grow up, very cultural and what i did learn was from school um yeah it was p- 
people brought into my school. But um, the fact that I was proud of who I am, even though I didn't have that deeply cultural longhouse upbringing, um, intimidated some people mm -hmm. and made some of them really angry. Yeah. And they chose to lash out at me. Yeah. Yeah. And what's ironic to me and, and really just hypocritical too, at the same time, right. It's like, for those of us who are doing the work, who are also at the same time being deemed or labeled as not cultural enough, not indigenous mm -hmm. enough, right. Who are doing the work, um, and are being lashed out by people who are really not actually practicing mm -hmm. the teachings, right. Yeah. Cause yeah. the teachings that no matter which indigenous culture you come from is about holding people up, keeping yes, each other going, exactly. supporting one another, mentoring, yeah. guiding. Yeah. But when you're lashing out and you're mocking mm -hmm. and you're gossiping mm -hmm. and you're, you're yeah. not, you're counterculture. Absolutely. You're countering the indigenous yeah. culture. Cause at the end of the day, culture is not just the drumming and the singing and the language mm -hmm. and the actual physical manifestation of culture. Mm -hmm. It's actually a mentality too. Yeah. It's a psychology it's a framework and how you want to behave too. And so when you exactly. when you do things like gossiping and backlashing and mocking and yeah. all of those things, you're actually mobilizing more colonial tools than anything, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said for um, that that catchphrase of like, if you're going to talk the talk, you need to walk the walk. Exactly. And I think so and many- And practice what you teach. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I've fallen into that too, where I actually just forget something that I've said or something that I've taught someone, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether I, whatever the circumstance may be, I wasn't following through with my own words. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, I should take my own advice, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, when people uh, weaponize yeah. certain things exactly. within our There's culture, a difference. Yeah. 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 You know, so if you're going to talk about um, helping resolve lateral violence within a community mm -hmm. then you should be actually walking that path yourself yeah exactly and if for some reason you slip up and someone catches you mm -hmm. honor that i yeah. made a mistake okay let's talk about it what did i miss yes um having that that desire to be okay with making a mistake and actually and be learn from it. Do constructive with constructive it. About to build it. Yeah. from it, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because we ultimately are in a space and time where we're still trying to regain our culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, absolutely, I think there is some things that we have lost. Mm -hmm. um, but I absolutely believe that we will get our culture back if we're able to start healing some of these things that do cause us this imposter syndrome and, mm -hmm. and cause us to to inflict lateral violence amongst other people yeah yeah absolutely well even just talking the conversation that we've been having yeah today right just like it's already helping me yeah. like, <laughs> thinking about exactly everything that i'm out there yeah um yeah. but before we go what we're and this is we're doing this getting ready for this episode what are some coping mechanisms that we encountered for right. coping with yes. or getting over this hurdle yeah. hoop barrier yeah, yeah. this um so I'm gonna, nerve. I'm gonna bring in some really old wise wisdom from a very dear friend um and he said well google that.com so i googled that.com <laughs> <laughs> 
And, um, you know, there's all sorts of different coping mechanisms that they came up with. Hmm. But I think the one that actually really stood out uh, for me ultimately was don't compare yourself to others. Yes. Focus on improving rather than proving yourself. See, if we, if you and I just followed that, we would be exactly in a much better space yeah. already. Yeah. Okay. I'm, um, that's, that's a takeaway for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think about that and I think that I just don't practice it enough because I tell myself that all the time. Don't stop comparing yourself. But exactly. I think that easier said than done, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. And yeah, I, I definitely think that's something that we can, you know, focus on improving ourselves rather than proving ourselves. Love that. Yeah. So that's a big one for sure. Um, the second one that really stood out was learning to fail better. So learning to fail better. Yeah. But yeah. How can you fail better? I know. <laughs> well, that kind of goes into like that lateral violence uh, example I was just talking about. Yeah. Of you know, oh shoot, I I made a mistake and I said some gossipy thing about someone. I I wasn't following what I was talking about in terms of. Um, moving our community forward in terms of lateral mm, violence, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so shit, I failed. Oh, how can I do it better? Instead of going, oh shit, and then Give up. being mad at yourself and then um, taking that anger and, and using it to fuel the lateral violence or to fuel your own hatred of yourself or other people. Right. Um, so learning to fail better. And that that is something that was, um, besides it being written that way, uh, was actually taught to me um, 20 something years ago by a supervisor was don't be afraid to say you don't know. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have carried with me up until this day and forever grateful for him for teaching me that because had I learned it later on in my life, I think I would struggle with um, being able to say, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to find out. Yes. I'm going to learn this. Yes. And, you know, next time we meet, the next time we interact, or, you know, if I, I if I find out, I'll email you. I will mm -hmm. contact you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the work yeah. to improve, right? Yeah. So that failing better in terms of just instead of harping on yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I'm a feeble person. I I can do something to make this better. Or you're just human. Yeah, we're all human, yeah. right? I love it. Yeah. Or even just recognizing recognizing failure as hardly failure if you're mm -hmm. learning from it. If you yeah. learn from it, then it's just a lesson. Yeah. Right. And we spend a lot of money going right? for lessons and yeah. investing in lessons yeah. to become smarter, more exactly. experienced people. And who's to say what you did was a failure? Exactly. Right. Right. According to whom? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, so maybe learn to make a mistake better, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know I've had... Or accepting them. Exactly. Right? One thing yeah. that you really said that really is, is sticking out to me because I actually learned this from... Okay, in full transparency, I'm a big fan of Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you and Vera need to talk about Tina Turner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tina Turner said that, you know, when she separated from Ike Turner, who yeah. used to do all the business, she had to build from the ground yeah. up after their huge world-renowned fame. She, she got to learn how to ensure her legs. Yeah. <laughs> she, um, she had to learn from scratch, like from the ground mm -hmm. up, how to rebuild herself up. And one of the most powerful things I remember watching her in an in interview with, okay, full transparency, I'm also a big fan of Oprah Winfrey. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. 
her and Oprah are talking and then Tina Tina Turner said this. She's like, okay, I just had to, I just decided I'm not going to be afraid of not knowing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know that. And, yeah. but like you said, right, I'll find out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, why do we need to feel like we need to have, we have to have it figure, all figured yeah. out. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're not computers that come out of a box that just know it all. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's where right now technology can actually help us. It's like, Mm-hmm. I don't know where I am tomorrow, but my phone does. Yes. So if I'm supposed to see you tomorrow, my phone will tell me yeah. at the appropriate time that I'm supposed to yeah, see you tomorrow. Exactly. Which is good because we're working together tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. so. <laughs> <laughs> and you check your calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well this is a great episode. Yeah. That was really good. I think yeah. we got some, some gems out of that one for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank right. you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Wee Bit Resi Podcast. Feel free to answer our weekly what's up cousin question in uh, this ep- in the comment section, the yeah. question section exactly. yeah. <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> yeah. You can also send us an email at a wee bit resi at shaw.ca. And if you want to stay in touch with us, give us a like on Facebook. We're on Facebook and other social media platforms soon to come. <laughs>